Right then, I know what you're thinking. I know I was mad at you for bringing a Dreamcast home instead of food. But I just found a package, Tom Parry. Oh yeah, is it, it's food? With a deluxe edition of Final, of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, I can't blink and eat that. It's got all the nourishment we need, Tom. There's Aerith, Cloud, Tiffa, Barrett, and much more besides. Oh, I don't like RPGs. Have you got any... Cheese. It's got an art book you could nibble on. <laughs> RP cheese. Ah, I stole my attack. Look at that unintentional joke right off the bat. Look at you, you're on fire. Oh, yeah, I am on fire. It's boiling in in the, in the on this desert island that we're... Uh... Core, that's interesting, because on this desert island it's I'm on, in. it's currently eight degrees, so... Ah, it's, it's sweltering, it's sweltering, Matthew. You, you turn the heat up in our little um, shack. Just on your side of the room, apparently. I apologise for that. Maybe we should swap. Oof, I hope I'm not coming down with that fever. <laughs> no, hopefully, hopefully not, Tom. Hopefully not. Otherwise, yeah, yeah we don't. We're we don't talk. Having to self-isolate together for for a few more weeks at this rate. I think so, Tom. We don't talk about the sickness. It's fine. This is a this is a free zone. La, That's la, la. it. We won't mention it again. Yeah. Let's talk about video games. The thing that keeps us going in this in these dark exactly. times. Exactly. Our. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know what video games are. Our salve. Our quiet kumbaya around a campfire of happiness in desperate well, it times. It depends what you're you're playing. I suppose you could um, you could say that about Animal Crossing. You definitely could. You um, know, a little kumbaya with KK Slider. You could, which a lot of people are enjoying that game at the moment still, and it's been weeks. Yes. The amount of posts on it on Twitter are still uh, very frequent. I would say. Um. Well, to be honest with you, like. My my lovely lady wife has fallen down the Animal Crossing rabbit hole more than I have. I will play it once a day. I will literally turn it on. I will do my run around the island, collect my fossils, turn it off again. Yeah. Because generally how I play Animal Crossing. But Marta has got full into it. She has a, a massive house. And she's been going online and playing online. So she's probably played the Nintendo Switch online more at this point than I ever have. Which is kind of interesting. Um, okay, well that's cool. Yeah, so, people have so, cataloging so parties, as they're called, where essentially, oh my. Um, the way Animal Crossing works is obviously once you get an item and these items accumulate over time because your shop changes every day, uh, you can yeah, order yeah. those items again from a catalog. Now, what people have realised in past Animal Crossing games and now is becoming a widespread thing in this one is people can mm-hmm. go to a desert island. People can go to your island. You could just dump out everything you own on the floor and then people generally spend like 10 minutes picking them up and dropping them again. And that way, if they should ever want, like Marta got like a weight bench yesterday. If Marta should ever want a weight bench for any reason in her home, she would be able to order one from the Nook catalogue. There's no function to these objects. They're just objects. They are just objects. Yeah, they just look nice. Yeah, They just... They tie the room together, Tom. So it's sort of like The Sims, but without the, the practical side of anything. 
Well, I mean, is there a practical side to The Sims? Well, you, you buy, say, uh, a workout bench to gain, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, fitness skill. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, you're just, you're expressing yourself, Tom Parry, and I think that's one of the main goals of Animal Crossing. Obviously, it's got okay. lots of expressive tools in it. I think people are making their own homes, they're making their own clothes, they're doing all this stuff. And I generally think it's a bit great big hug in a mug in these weird, mm. uncertain times. And, and the, goal, the goal you work towards is paying off your debt. That's, that's the goal, isn't it, of Animal Crossing? Yeah, I mean, also, like... Being forever in debt and having to pay it off. Well, you do get to a point, I think, where you don't have any debt anymore. But, like, yes, that's the primary goal. There are other objectives in this game. You have a mobile phone that kind of has many achievements in it, like donate 300 fossils or... Whatever. There are little things. There are a few things to chase, right? Yeah. Okay. There, I, I would say there's a lot more to chase in this one than previous games. Would you say it is satisfy a satisfying experience? I mean, I've always liked it, though. I know, mm. I know you differ in that opinion. So I, I don't think well, Tom, there's anything new here for you. I'm comparing it to The Sims because I've been playing a lot of Sims Four lately. Yeah. And getting sucked into that as just as much as I, I used to with the original Sims. Yeah. As of late. And there's actually a few more levels to it that um, weren't there in the original game. Of course, I sort of skipped two and three. Yeah. Definitely three. I played a bit too, but um, I've been enjoying it immensely. And, and for me, I guess that's my Animal Crossing, I suppose, because th- there are some similarities. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for sure, there are... I, w- I would say Sims is more of a, a life simulator game, whereas I Absolutely. think... Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Animal Crossing is more of a slow-paced game. It's more of a chill-out game. Like, I I don't think there is any goal in Animal Crossing besides the ones you set yourself, whereas obviously The yeah. Sims, you're trying to improve these people's That'll lives. That would be the biggest difference, yeah. Get them jobs and whatever. Sims, you, you're constantly having to look after your Sim, aren't you? There's constantly something to keep you engaged, Yes. I guess, with, with, with what you're doing. Um and not not much room for just relaxing. No, you're quite right. So that that's where the two games differ. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think it's nice. I think honestly, in these trying times, like I I've just beaten the last game that was on my list of stuff that I needed to beat um, in the short term. So I'm going to take a bit of a breather from big meaty console games. Because you really you really went for it. Now now we're going to mention yeah. the game. That you, 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 uh, you've been playing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, like, so first, let's just tie a little neat bow around Judgment, because I, I finished... Oh, okay, okay, and then we'll move game. on to the obvious, yeah. the elephant in the room. Yes, the game that we're clearly not talking about, even though we talked about it in the intro, as if it's a surprise. Um, oh, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, sorry. That's all right. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely Judgment, and... Uh, my feelings about that game still haven't really changed. I still think it's solid. I think it's probably one of the best games made by the Yakuza team. Um, there, there are things that annoy me in that game, much like the. Did you play much of Kawami, the first one, the remake I, of one? I wish I could say I had. No, not really. No. So they introduced a mechanic. I should get on onto it. You should, because you know, uh, fucking Yakuza is a really good game series. Uh, Shenmue 3 will probably take uh, precedent over that. That's fair. I mean, I have Shenmue 1 and 2 sitting there now, but I think it'll be a while before I touch them. Um, yeah, so you, you play through it, and in Kawami 1, they introduced a mechanic, if you remember, called Majima Everywhere. 
yes, I'm aware of this. We have spoken about it before. We on the have, podcast. yeah, and I wasn't really a big fan of it in Kawami One because I thought it kind of messed with the story of Yakuza a little bit yeah. too much. Yeah, because he wasn't such um, a prominent character in no, Yakuza One. No, was he was not. He was you pretty much you ran into him once near the start of the game to say like, "Hey, mm-hmm. there's this crazy dude with an eye patch." And then you see yeah. him later in the soap house towards the end of the game, I think, and that's okay. that's literally it. But he's he's become a fan favorite, as I understand well, it. Well, yeah, and of therefore uh, he was met, featured more frequently in this. Yeah, remake. and I think you doing Yakuza Zero and like a lot of people jumping in at the series at that point are going, "Wow, I love Majima." Oh, that that's yeah. true though. If he was in Zero a lot, then it would be weird for him not to, to be, be in. in... One. Exactly. One yeah. as much, yeah. Because he's into a lot anyway, so I think they just kind of needed to yeah. master over that a little bit. Anyway, yeah. that mechanic, though, generally meant you were getting attacked <laughs> everywhere for an extended period of time by Majima. So you could be like running around an alleyway, really short on health, and Majima would just pop up and be like, surprise, and you'd have to deal with it and probably die, in my experience. Was that frustrating? A little it sounds bit. like it could be frustrating. So imagine, Tom Parry, instead of just one character popping up out of the blue and being a Majima. fight. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Judgment replaces that with, essentially, um, gangs. So there's like a gang that is terrorizing Kamarucho. Uh, yeah. Troublemakers. Yeah, and Yagami has to essentially you get a little gauge and it's got like hundred percent threat level and essentially you need to pummel enough people to get that threat level down. If you uh-huh. don't, every ten freaking seconds you will get into a fight. When you're trying to move from point A to point B, you will just constantly be fighting. And they're not satisfying fights because they're not very long. They're just Sounds fights. like an RPG. And Sounds like trying to get from one place to the other and having random battles. Yeah, exactly, but not in a not in a very productive way. It just feels like it's there to lengthen the game a lot. And judgment. Okay, okay. You don't a... you don't benefit from these fights a lot. I or... mean, you gain a little bit of XP, but to be honest with you, the amount yeah, you get yeah. from them it doesn't really matter. Um, okay. So yeah, so that happens. That's really frustrating. That's something that I had forgotten about when I started playing it again. There's a lot of side stuff to do. Um, I think, all in all, I put like 45 hours or something into Judgment, beating that's, all the yeah, side quests a, and stuff. Like Pretty long game. But honestly, the story and everything else in that game is incredible. It's one of the best stories I've experienced, definitely in a Yakuza game. If it were a proper Yakuza game, which I guess I should classify it as, I wouldn't say it's as good as 4 by any stretch. That is still the gold standard Yakuza games. However, I think it's like definitely top 3. Okay. It's great. Can you see it um, developing further in a sequel? I don't know how they could. That's the interesting thing. I mean, I'm sure they could. I mean, I didn't see a jumping off point for Yakuza 1 when I played that. Like, you you solve the case, like, you you wrap everything up by the end of the story, but that doesn't mean that, A, you're still living in Kamarucho, i.e. fictional Shinjuku, and yeah. uh, Shibuya, sorry, not Shinjuku. And okay. also, like, you are a detective in this world where stuff happens a lot and there's lots of organized crime and everything. So I, I could see a second one. Yeah. I just don't necessarily... I guess they were playing it a little safe there, not not kind of promising a second, because it would all depend how well the first, the first one did. One did. Yeah, a yeah. bit of a risky uh, endeavor there to do a new franchise. No, for sure. But I mean, as we talked about last week, I think that's why there, if there will be a Judgment 2, it'll probably carry on the regular 
Yakuza formula of like running around the streets beating people up rather than Yakuza 7 now which will be a JRPG yeah that's interesting maybe that's uh, it's a way to continue that more traditional Yakuza style gameplay when they, they were aware that they were going to move the Yakuza series in a, in a very different direction yeah I mean it's also I th- yeah. maybe it's hedging your bets you know because I mean Yakuza 7 doesn't star Kazuma Kiryu anymore it's got a new character that I can't remember the name of because I haven't played the game and yeah. so maybe they were like, okay, well, let's see. Neither of these next games we do as a studio is going to have Kiryu in it. Let's make a more traditional Yakuza game that stars Yagami, this detective, and make it like a crime procedural, which ultimately Yakuza kind of became in the end anyway. And then mm. let's make a traditional Yakuza game, but like change it up because we can now, because no one's expecting Kiryu to have a dragon style or all of these other things that they've built in the previous Yakuza yeah, games. Yeah, but st- we'll still keep the Yakuza name because we know that sells. Well, yeah, of course. Because it, it, it would seem to me now they could have easily kind of changed the name of the series because Yakuza would have ended with uh, the character of uh, Kiryu. What's his name again? Kazuma Kiryu. <laughs> Kiryu. You could just say Kiryu, yeah. I think. You don't have to say his full okay. name. Because his name's Kiryu. Okay. It's, yeah. Japanese Fair names enough. are backwards. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Yakuza will continue, but it'll be in a very different form. But Judgment may just fly that uh, familiar Yakuza flag. Yeah, I assume so. Into um, the uh, future, perhaps. I think if it fixes some fundamental things, like I said, the gang system really sucks. It's really mm. irritating, especially when you're just trying to mop up the last things at the end of the game. Um, if they make the detective mode a bit more interesting, because I think that was a bit lacking in this game, then I think... I would detective mode is sort of was that like following? Yeah, um, uh, no, there was like with the camera. You would do no? the following things like the the you sneaking after people like follow quest things you introduced in thinking Yakuza Five. You would do that, which is annoying, but I mean okay. that's kind of become part of Yakuza now for better or worse. The right. detective bits are essentially you're in a crime scene or in a place of interest. You go in first uh-huh. person. And you're generally looking around the room. Oh, I get you. That makes style. perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that reminds me a little bit of Detroit Become Human. Yes, very um, much. The first thing you, you do there is you look at the clues. Yeah, also a bit of like uh, L.A. Noir thrown in, but mm, mm, mm. in a less fun way, yeah. actually, than I Seems to be a bit of a, a, a popular trope now. Yeah. In, in games. Well, I mean, you know. It... I mean, didn't, didn't Batman have a detective mode as well? Didn't he switch on his detective vision and then see clues? And... Yeah, but that was more like in, in the third the Arkham person games. sense and you were doing a lot of things. Yeah, I a think, bit different. I think the detective... We're doing more like an adventure game, like a point-and-click adventure game yeah. style. Yeah, more yeah. Like point-and-click. Yeah. Though you can yeah. interact with the camera, you can move yourself around the spaces sometimes. The... Yeah, I just I think detectives lend themselves very well to storytelling because obviously there's a mystery you need to solve yeah, and from yeah. a narrative perspective. That makes sense that you're trying to get to the end of the mystery and that's what keeps people playing potentially. And there's key objects and things. That, yeah, uh, also cats. Show the way. Cats. Yeah, there's a cat in every one of the detective scenes that you need to find for an achievement at the end of the game. That's nice. Yeah. Most people like cats. Yeah, they do. I love cats. And when you see them, they're meowing, and then Yagami says, oh, look, a cat. Interestingly enough, also the name of the achievement. Oh, look, a cat. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, judgment, good game. Uh, highly recommend it. If you didn't play it, 
I would say fans of Yakuza should should get it. Oh, fans of Yakuza outright. should definitely get it. I mean, also yeah, people yeah. who are interested in the Yakuza series but don't want to play what seven games plus two ah, Japanese yeah, that's ones. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people gravitated towards Zero, didn't they? Yes, uh, Zero got very good reviews and it was like a good new starting place for yeah. the series. So. But if you don't want any of that, like you don't need to understand the history of the Tojo clan, you don't need to know Kazuma Kiryu or Majima or any is, of these. Is it light on Yakuza elements? Are there some Yakuza elements in in terms of Yakuza's yeah, themselves? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Tojo line? clan are in it, albeit not the not one of the main families. Okay. So the, the main story of the game is essentially Yagami... Is was a lawyer. He then became a private investigator because of a scandal that happened with one of his cases. Love but a scandal. The the person who paid for him to go through law school uh, was actually the head of this Tojo clan subsidiary. So there is organized clan mm. crime involved, and the Tojo clan are in it. But yeah, it's it's not. The, the, the focus isn't on the Yakuza, as I shake the entire desk here. <laughs> they, yes and no, I would say, because oh, they, 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 okay. they're deeply okay. interwoven into the story, but they're not So the you've got to thing. expect some Yakuza themes within Judgment Yeah, still. definitely. There's definitely okay. themes of organised right. crimes. However, the main thing of the game isn't... Um, it isn't about just like organised crime and the Yakuza themselves. That's what I would say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Yakuza is is a is a recommendation. Not Yakuza. Gosh, ha, there you go. Uh, judgment. judgment is a recommendation. Yes, judgment is hundred percent a recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Is it easy to to find pick up now? Is it gone on a greatest hits or um, not? Or is it? I think it should be relatively easy to pick up, but I don't think it's on a greatest hits. Not yet. No. No. It wasn't as quite as big as a hit as Yakuza, I, I don't think, was it? Um, well, I think it sold really well in Japan. I think there were some mm. issues with it where it came out and... Um, oh, yes, of course there was. There yeah, were the, the, one of the yeah, actors was involved in like a drug scandal thing, and so that kind of put a dampener on it, I think. Well, in the UK, I think you can pick it up for around about 20 quid nowadays. Oh, that's all right. Um, yeah. I yeah I have that Japanese copy. I'm wondering actually if that because that shot up uh, to be a collector's item pretty quickly because of the the scandal involving the oh I've forgotten the guy's name I've forgotten the actor's name and I've forgotten the guy's name. There's someone involved in music within Japan who plays one of the main roles in Judgment. Yeah. Anyways. Yes, I know. We we talked about it we previously did, on the podcast. Sure, yeah, that was that I, was a fair while ago. Because I was, thought but, uh, it was going to get delayed. We can't tell you which episode exactly. No, a while back, deep cut <laughs> while for old back. school listeners. It was done in Denmark. I remember that. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, judgment, good game. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. If you're curious about the Yakuza series, want to see what that combat's all about. I would say it's a good place to start with that series. To give it a go. Marvelous. Yeah. Um, what have you been playing, Tom Parry, before I jump into the, the big thing that's on the The big one, the big one. Uh, what have I been playing? Okay, so I've been dipping in and out of things as I normally do. Still on that Gran Turismo. Uh, there's a daily challenge thing, so I tend to do like a race a day and you get extra uh, money and then therefore you can buy more cars to enter more cups. So, yeah, that's a nice pick-up-and-play for a little while. There have been a couple of original Xbox games that I had 
well, I've had for a while now, but I haven't got around to playing because uh, before I moved, my Xbox wasn't set up. Right. And uh, for one reason or another, I, I didn't bother trying them on my 360 to see if they were backwards compatible. But the first of those games would be Spike Out. Right. Um, Spike Out. Volleyball game? Published by Sega. Sorry? Is it a volleyball game? No, 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 no. It's it's actually the continuation of an arcade series, um, which is it's a three D beat 'em up, oh, basically. Okay. And uh, yeah, this game appeared in original Xbox, published by Sega, developed by I think Dimps. I think perhaps I could be wrong. Yes, you are uh, correct. But it, it's fairly uh, formulaic in its uh, gameplay. And unfortunately, it the biggest gripe I have with it is its checkpoints. It doesn't have checkpoints. It does break the levels up into parts. Basically, once you've fought a few guys, you break a gate and you move on to the next area. Right. And it's all done in a very fun arcade style. You have an announcer saying, break the gate! So you have to go and find the gate and break it. And then you go into the next area. And you'd think those would be points that would lend themselves quite well to checkpoints. Yeah considering the levels themselves are quite long and the gameplay is quite repetitive so the thing you really don't want to happen is to get so far in the level maybe up to the final boss and then die because you're going to have to start from the start of the level again uh, okay and it's a huge turn off if the only they introduced checkpoints the gameplay wouldn't get so repetitive and therefore the game would be a lot more playable so that was disappointing that's a shame because the core gameplay is pretty fun. Uh, I mean, it's it's well done 3D beat-em-up. And it makes me wonder why 3D beat-em-up games yeah. haven't become more popular. Because they work really well. I mean, it's the kind of genre that lends itself well to 3D. Yes, I would agree. I think. And there, there were a few back in the day. Uh, Beatdown, Fists of Vengeance, I think, was one. Um, yeah, there were quite a few on PS2. Urban Rain... Uh, that was a Namco game, I think. So there was a period where we were getting quite a lot of these, and now we seem to have jumped back to 2D. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the Switch, there are quite a few. Um, oh gosh, trying to think. Well, I mean, the most Girls. obvious one would. Yeah, yeah. Most obvious one that's coming soon would be Streets of Rage Four, and I'm yeah. sure they're going to be great. But um, I just want to see a few more 3D ones because they work pretty well. Um, you have a variety of moves in the Spike Out. It's not just punching, you can, but the, the controls are laid out in a very weird way. Uh, so it takes you a while to actually appreciate the depths of the combat, but there is actually a bit more there than there first seems to be. Okay. Uh, you can pick up items as well, but that's got a really weird way of doing it. You have to hold both X and Y and press down to pick up an item. That seems incredibly fiddly. <laughs> The X and Y is one of the the attacks that you can do. It's sort of like a slide attack. Okay. Um. But yeah, you wouldn't know that unless you looked at the instructions because the game doesn't have a tutorial because you expect it to be pretty straightforward because yeah. it's a beat-em-up. <laughs> wow, that's really weird. It's not like it's a game that was made for PC that they ported over. You would think that they would just be able to map that to like B or something. You'd, you'd think you know? so. I don't know if this um, represents what it was like in the arcade to play the original. Um, the story is you are playing the, I think, the son of uh, a character... In, in one of the previous games, because you're someone junior. Okay. And you go back to the old uh, city that you left ages ago, and something's going down, and there's a really kind of 
old looking cutscene at the beginning. And right. then I sure the in game graphics are better than the cutscenes, which is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so this cutscene introduces a story that you've gone back to this place and you've got to beat up some guys. There isn't honestly a lot to it as of yet, at least. Um yeah. It's a relatively obscure game. And it it does demands quite high prices nowadays. Um I guess just because it maybe had a bit of a limited release, wasn't particularly popular. I'm not sure the exact reason why. Yeah. Uh, I remember getting it at a very reasonable price for a game that I thought was actually worth a lot more money than I got it for. Right. Uh but would I suggest you seek this one out? Um I think if you're a fan of the genre, a big fan of the genre and you want another 3D beat-em-up, then it might be worth considering. However, there are better 3D beat-em-ups out there. Man. Some of the ones I mentioned already are a little bit more um, interesting. Yeah, this, I was going to say, like looking at the prices on eBay, you're looking at anywhere. The cheapest one I can see at the moment is 40 quid, but generally speaking, it sells for about 80. Yeah, I think I got mine for 30, I think, back in the day. Okay. Um, which still was quite, I thought, was reasonably expensive. Um, Japanese copies but yeah, of this game. Yeah, you can get better games cheaper. But what I guess this has the charm of, it has the charm of Sega Arcade Classic games. Okay. It feels of that era. And if you're a fan of uh, the games on the Dreamcast and you like arcade games in general, this would feel very at home on the Dreamcast, as would a lot of other Sega published... Xbox games, um, yeah, for sure. Xbox games. So if you if you love that genre... This would be one I think you might want to add to your uh, collection. Um, the other game I was playing a bit the other day that I picked up on Xbox a while ago, you might be familiar with this one, Reckless, the Yakuza missions. Oh, yeah, it's a racing game, right? It's it's a Actually, it's an open-world driving game where you have to take down Yakuza and you play as these cops. Yeah, the only reason uh, I know this game is because of the cover, because for a long time when I was looking for Yakuza 2 and I would type Yakuza yeah. into various websites, this would come up. Again, this is an arcade-style game that's actually a lot of fun. You've got a time limit and you've got like so many um, Yakuza cars you've got to take down. And uh, on the first mission, if you trundle along after them in a very cool-looking, uh, like Akira Toyama-style police vehicle. Yeah. You know, it's very cute, very round. And despite what it may look like from the game's cover, this isn't a serious uh, action game. This is actually a very Japanese arcade-style game with a bit of a sense of humour. You've got these two bumbling female cops who drive the car around, and occasionally there's little cutscenes in between the stages. Um, okay. So it's actually it's actually quite fun. It's a very fun game, and it has a quite a unique uh, visual aesthetic. It's very deep. It, it's like I guess it was a good showcase for the Xbox at the time. Yeah. Because it looks very nice still, uh, but it's kind of got a sort of blurriness to it as well, which is a little bit odd. Like, but the actual vehicles, everything, all the um, elements uh, look quite nice. But when you're actually moving through the environments, it's it's a bit blurry. So kind of it makes it a bit look photorealistic, kind of. Okay. Way. Of course, everything's in a quite a low resolution. Um, if you compare it to, say, Xbox One, PS4 that we're used to. However, I think at the time this was a particularly uh, good-looking game with, with you know, very simple gameplay, but very fun arcade-style pick-up for, you know, like 20 minutes or so and have a bash at it and yeah. plough into some uh, 
cars. So this game uh, was released in Japan as Double Steel is the name of it in Japan. Uh, it looks huh. a lot more interesting. Uh, the Japanese cover is like crazy. One, the super realistic car in the front and then the weird dune buggy Akira Tomiyama yeah. thing you described in the background. It also Yeah, got... there's the, a the variety of different vehicles in it. It also got a Japanese some... sequel, Tom, called Double Steel The Second Clash. Oh, is this available on just Xbox or any other Just platforms? Xbox in Japan. Oh, darn, because I think Reckless was also available on GameCube. It was, yeah, and PS2. Correctly. And PS2, right, yeah. okay. Shameless, because I can easily play imports on PS2 and GameCube, but not on Xbox. No, I don't if, have the uh, capabilities. If only you it. had a, a modded Xbox, Tom Parry. Oh, I have a modded Xbox. I was Xbox. about to say, I bought you one. <laughs> Does that play Japanese games, though? I'm not 100%. I would assume it does. I don't know. I don't know. I might, I might try it. Oh, I've got a Japanese original Xbox game, I think, somewhere. Don't know what it is. Knocking around. Yeah. I don't know. I'll give that a go. Um, cool. So, yeah, I've been um, dipping in out of those games. Okay. Uh, and, and, of course, as I previously mentioned, Sims 4. Um, and, and I'm thinking... I need something to go into more like an adventure game, something a bit meaty. So I've been considering Shenmue 3 and uh, perhaps Death Stranding as well. So I might do a live stream on Death Stranding because I haven't done one yet. Hmm. As someone who's beaten Death Stranding, I would say go play Yakuza. (laughs) Well, Death Stranding is, I think, an intriguing uh, prospect. I enjoyed what I played of it initially. And kind of want to see where it's going to go next. Um, as someone who's beaten Death Stranding, I've lent my copy of the game to three people subsequently who immediately gave it back to me. Wow. Um, I think it's a very polarizing game. I think it's good. I wouldn't say it's great. And I don't think I feel that my time as a player was respected or that... It essentially wrapped up in a, a way I was happy with either. Oof. So I don't know, yeah. man. Like we did talk about it before, haven't we? We, we have. Um, I think we did. I don't, spoken about. I don't it. think I'd beaten it when we talked about it. I, I'm not a big fan. I think there are some good things about Death Stranding. I think it's a very therapeutic game. Oddly, later in the game, once you can kind of take out the mm. the creepy things that I've forgotten the name of, but before that, oh. Um... No, there's like a abbreviation, aren't they? Yeah. Oh gosh, I can't remember Letters. what they're called. I played. No, I can't remember. I've slept since I then. think what's cool about it is all those um, that world building um, part of the game, isn't it? The story goes off the rails, so that's all I will say. Yeah. If you if you like Hideo Kojima Unleashed, that is. Yeah, yeah, I kind of have an idea what. Yeah. That is what you should expect. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to live stream it, see if I enjoy it, and um, yeah, maybe continue with it. Or if not, I will go to Shenmue 3 because that's been on the back burner for far too long. I've got Resident Evil 2 as well. I think you should play Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 is a solid game. Out of those three. I want to play the survivor mode of 3. Like I I hear that multiplayer is really cool, but... Mm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I'm not in any rush to buy any new console games. I've got Persona no, 5 No, because, Matt, right you've been playing uh, a particular game for quite a lot. I have. Time um, 
believe it or not, Tom Parry, spoilers, it's the Final Fantasy VII remake. That is not a spoiler. Don't... No way, no way. When did that come out? Friday? It came out on Friday, yeah. Fortunately, I got my copy on Tuesday. I will say up front, I will not spoil any of this game. Like, if you have played the original Final Fantasy VII, I will reference similarities. I will not talk about story. Just as a heads up to people out there who are like, ah, and ripping out the earphones. I beat the game, Tom. Okay. What well, do you expect that most people who are picking up this remake have experienced Final Fantasy VII before? So this what is what I've been curious about my entire time yeah. playing the game. Yeah. Um, because th- there are definitely some things in there that allude to the fact you already know this story. And I mean, Tom, how much of Final Fantasy VII have you ever played? As much as is in the the demo of Final Fantasy VII remake, yeah, and which I I what I gather is similar to the original demo of Final Fantasy VII in terms of its. Length. Have you never played the beginning of the game? Have you never played Final Fantasy VII? I played the beginning of the game, like the very beginning, because yeah, pretty much as much as you get up to in in the remake demo. Yeah, I, okay, because yeah. I was gonna say like. I was actually hoping I'd come on this conversation with you. You'd have played the two or three hours of the original game, gotten to where oh, the story I'm, I'm ends sorry. here. Sorry, I, I don't. I don't really mind. No, if, no, if it's okay. Discuss, but because, like, um, essentially speaking, right? Point. Final Fantasy Seven is a forty to fifty-hour-long JRPG. It goes a lot of places. Um, you play as a soldier called Cloud. You meet up with other people, as I previously named, Barrett, Aerith, I, Tifa. Cloud Strife. Cloud Strife. He is a part of Soldier. He is. He's Soldier First Class. And yeah, yeah, I know a little bit. You go on a, you go on a bombing run of uh, the Marco Reactor in Sector... Oh, yeah. Sector 8, I think. Sector 3. Can't remember which one the first one is. I know the second one, Sector 5. And from there, you end up meeting Aerith and you go on a quest to save her because she gets kidnapped and essentially that is the bit of this game that is encapsulated within Final Fantasy 7 remake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the overarching theme is um man versus uh, nature, isn't it? Yes. That's why mining this sort of uh, Marco earth energy. energy which is clearly a th- stand-in for oil. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, like you are, a, you are part of an eco terrorist. Well, you were hired by an eco terrorist organization called Avalanche. Yeah, you, you're you're a soldier for hire. Yeah, yeah? Uh, you're yeah. a mook, as everyone so yeah. often reminds you in this game. Yeah. And yeah, essentially, you you help out these mercenaries to blow up reactors, which you know, in a, a post nine eleven world, is like a hmm. Interesting. I didn't really think about this so I didn't really think about the terrorism aspect of it so much when I was an eleven year old playing this game for the first time. Mm. God, I guess they're quite careful with what they're I would have up. even been younger than eleven now I'm thinking about it. Because it came out twenty three years ago. Man, I would have been about nine when I played this game for the first time. That's really interesting. Anyways, this this game takes that and essentially takes this the first five maybe six hours of this 50 60 hour long game and in turn makes that a 40 hour experience um wow that's quite a stretch yes tom parry <laughs> some would say perhaps 
too much of a stretch. Um, oh, are you one of those who would say that? I would Matthew? say by the end of the game, there was a point in time yesterday where the reason this podcast is a day late was because I was like, oh, well, I'm almost at the end. I'm on, I think there are 18 chapters in the game. I was on the 16th chapter, and based upon my knowledge of the original Final Fantasy VII, I was like, right, well, I'm going to go up here. There's going to be something waiting for me at the top of this building. Then I'm going to have a boss fight. Then I'll have another boss fight. Then I'll escape. And that was slightly challenged because this game does do the thing of, well, they said that they weren't going to let you out of Midgar. They said there was going to be the contained story of Midgar. And, for example, in between the first and second bombing runs, which are essentially the first two dungeons of the game, the game introduces a lot of side content. You meet a lot of characters that you didn't meet. They expand upon... You remember Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse? Those characters that are literally in Final Fantasy VII for about two hours? Were they those ones at the beginning? They are, yes. They are the people you were with on the bombing run for Avalanche. Yeah. Um, They flesh them out in meaningful ways that makes you actually... Well, it gives those characters more depth than they definitely had in the original. They had a few throwaway lines, and by the end of that game, you're like, who the fuck were they again? Oh, yeah, I remember. Those people are named after Star Wars characters. But other than that, there's no meaningful thing for them to exist other than to fill in Mm. for party members that will eventually join you. They make them pay off in meaningful ways. Uh, They introduce a lot of new characters, Generally speaking, a lot of the the side stuff or like small conversations you would have with characters or areas you would generally walk through in Final Fantasy VII are now fleshed out into full areas. If you think about Final Fantasy VII, generally speaking, well, much like any old RPG, you're walking from screen to screen to screen to screen to screen. Yeah. And Final Fantasy VII was really cool and why I think it gelled with a lot of people was it had a lot of these things that were just a screen and you're like, what the hell is this? Why does this exist? Uh-huh. What does this tell me about the world? That Okay, because you took it one screen at a time, basically. You, you were yeah. experiencing the world in that way. But also because background objects weren't important to the storytelling, no. you would just walk into an area, you would see a giant crane arm like a giant mechanical hand and you think wow Mm. that's really cool or you would see the inside of a marco reactor and wonder what these big glowing orb things were but Mm. this game Mm. kind of sort of like a storybook type thing when you turn the page of a storybook and you see an image you think oh what's what's this what's this new thing that i'm seeing in this very sort of flat (laughs) yeah and to be honest with you i think presentation comparing final fantasy 7 to a storybook is a very good analogy for what that game kind of was is that you would go from area to area you would perhaps talk with people it wasn't side quest heavy even though there was side stuff you could do and it would generally you would go from point a to point b it was quite a linear game at least in the midgar section now this Mm. game is very linear obviously as well um they do flesh out the areas, so the places you would have been in the original Final Fantasy VII, like Wall Market and the Sector Six slums and the church that Aerith's in, all these areas are blown out to be large areas. 
and they have a lot of boss fights, some new ones, uh, obviously bringing back some old bosses from the original and a lot of old enemies and stuff. But generally, it feels quite bloated at times. Hmm. It feels like they're trying to make you get your money's worth, which I can understand. I did have reservations going into this when I bought it, thinking, well, best case scenario, it's probably going to be like 15 hours. There is, yeah. This definitely feels like a full game, is hmm. what I will say for it. Though it does change some things about Final Fantasy VII in terms of how you play the game. Tom Parry, you do you know about the materia system? Do you know what that means? Since something you can apply to your weapons give them different abilities. Yes, essentially speaking, what materia is is the magic system for Final Fantasy VII. You all of your gear, so your 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 weapon. Your, Buster Sword in the case of Cloud, your bracelet-y things, all your equipment has slots that essentially yeah. you can put material into, essentially meaning you can customise your characters and make them whatever you want. Yeah. Unlike, play, play, play a game in, in your own unique way. Yes, unlike previous Final Fantasy games like Six, where you yeah. would get a black mage and that black mage could only mm. cast black magic, there would be a white mage, so you'd need to balance mm-hmm. your team out that way. Final Fantasy VII mm. kind of said, hey, the, here are these blank slate characters. Their, their characterization and the way they interact with the story is the thing that makes them unique. Go and do mm. whatever you want with them in battle. So yeah. Materia was a big deal. Materia is still prevalent in this game, obviously. The still material system exists. However, it's more like Kingdom Hearts-style combat than the turn-based battle system of Final Fantasy VII, as... Yeah, I, think yeah. Talked I about played the demo. The demo. Yeah. They essentially MP is quite limited, and so you mm. can't just do the thing that I did, being a small child playing Final Fantasy VII and just spamming fire every time I got into any fight, because the game kind of doesn't let you do that. It's more about the combat interactions and more about you swinging your sword or punching or swinging your staff or whatever it is. And the game relies more then on abilities, which are unique skills that you learn based on your weapons. So you have to level up your weapon, level up your character, and then you also level up your material to get like fire into Fyara, into Fyarga, which are the more powerful versions of that spell. Each weapon has a sphere grid, Tom Parry. Okay, (laughs) okay. A system from Final Fantasy X. So, like, you can customise your weapons to make, for example, Barrett more of a tank or Cloud more of a magic user. Is that fun? Yeah. Is that good? It it adds a surprising level of depth to combat that I wasn't really expecting. Um, It does take a while to get used to uh, because I've never really been a fan of the Kingdom Hearts-style combat. I will say, though, that they do evolve this a lot more than the general like mash square that I feel that Kingdom Hearts can be mm. which is good it feels like a rewarding combat system yeah. and the story stuff is interesting there's a lot like I said interjected in between points to flesh out things like areas become a lot longer and they introduce new characters or characters that would have potentially been throwaway conversations in the original Final Fantasy and now active characters they also do a very smart thing that remember in any rpg be it a breath of fire or final fantasy you'd walk around a town right and you'd talk to everyone 
Mm. That doesn't really make sense in a modern game. So what they do mm-hmm. is they they do the thing that a lot of these characters are saying things in the background. So like there's a lot of storytelling oh, yeah. okay. going on within the world that you aren't necessarily interacting with, but obviously you take it on board and you think about it because you're walking around. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, of course, games were restricted to the limitations they had at the time. Of course, you couldn't have voice samples in some of those earlier games. No, so you definitely couldn't. You had to read them. Yes. And then to trigger that, you had to talk to yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, not necessarily. I guess they could have just popped up on screen as you walk past someone, they, but I guess that could be They fine. do a little bit in Final Fantasy yeah. VII from the original, yeah. but not to this extent, obviously. It's trying to create a world around you and make sure these slums feel like a real place and they feel lived in. Yeah, yeah. And I think they succeed at that. I think they do manage to flesh out some parts in meaningful ways. Well... Others. If they're going to redo it, then they might as well just go all out and redo it, which sounds very much like what the, what they've done. You know, they've expanded on it in meaningful ways, and yes, they definitely. Yeah. It sounds like they've succeeded in 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 their goal. I would say so. Um, yes. Oh God, I want to talk about story stuff so badly, but I'm not going to. Um, yes, they definitely have managed to do that i think they've succeeded in what they were doing and i it's a very interesting thing right because final fantasy 7 is a game that was made 23 years ago since then and this remake of final fantasy 7 we've had i think four spin-off games and a feature-length movie set in this universe Ah, yeah, yeah, of course. Can't forget uh, Crisis Core and Advent Children. Yeah, there's Before Crisis, and there's another one as well, I think. Oh, there's Vincent in his... uh... Crisis Core, yeah, sorry. And then there's also a... No, the... Yeah. The one I was thinking, the one with about Vincent. Oh, Valentine, sorry, it's Dirge of Cerberus, not Crisis Core. Crisis Core. Dirge of yeah, Cerberus, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which was more of an action game, wasn't yeah, which it? Is I, I've played a bit of that. Made with the Counter Strike engine and is a. I probably, now I think about it, closer to the combat style of this FF7 remake than it is. To yeah, yeah. Don't forget Dirge of Cerberus, people. Exactly. <laughs> I think I have a sealed copy of Dirge of Cerberus now that I'm thinking about it. Mm. Anyways. Um, Great name. Yeah, it's definitely a good name. I need to play that game again. I don't even... I don't know, though, in this world, if that stuff is canon, though. Like, that's the interesting thing about this remake, is that they... It resets things, does it? Well, no, not necessarily. I, I think it's... There are some events, I will say, that are... That are changed, and certain things happen that I think lead you to question okay is this is this still the final fantasy 7 okay. crisis core impact on advent children for instance cuz I mean, that looks very much the same as this like the same visual style and it would be a nice companion oh to it if, if of course they link together so like if you did you see advent children have you watched that movie i've seen advent Children. it didn't make much sense to me no, but i've seen it it didn't make much sense to me tom and i played the game so don't worry too much um so advent children is like the most anime-esque thing you could ever make it's almost as if someone saw the matrix and said well hold my beer i'm gonna anime this up to 11 
Right, yeah, it's cliches to the max. Yeah, and they, to be honest with you, they've yeah. definitely... Tropes. They've definitely taken some of the maple syrup that is Advent Children and emptied the bottle over the pancake of Final Fantasy VII. Um, That's beautiful analogy. Thank you. It is. It is sticky. Did you have pancakes for breakfast? I did not. Or something? No, it is sticky <laughs> with the residue of Advent Children because everything is dialed up to eleven. Very, very sweet. Yes, sickly at some point. Bit sickly. Yeah, but you know, it, it. You don't want to waste it all the same. No. So I, I think, I like FF Seven remake. Okay, you think you like it? Wow. Well, I, no, I, that's a lie. I think, I think, I know I like it. You, you, you know you like. Whether it. or not I, I am. Think it's better than the original. I don't know. I think that's hard to say. I also, I'm just not sure that I, I love it as much as I do the original. Just because I'm still processing that ending, literally. I yeah, came... of course. Yeah. Off that game before it came. Also, there's some nostalgic charm to the original. Uh, I mean, of course, it did. It does look dated now, but some of those those bright looking um, characters, you know, uh, are still quite appealing today. I think, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the characters. Well, the deformed versions you see as you move around the worlds, and and then um, there's some charm to that. Yeah, there is, and I I think they capture the essence of those characters really well in this remake, and yeah. I I think it's a... At the same time, it's incredibly limiting, and it's great to have this new game to see the characters uh, as detailed as they are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they did a good job with it with Advent Children, yeah. and I think they do some interesting stuff with them here. And flesh out characters a bit more. Like, Barrett isn't just like a black exploitation stereotype anymore. He's a character with motives. Cloud is a massive prick, as he is in the original. And like, in a in a not meaningful way, I would say. There's some... So he's not likeable. He hasn't been made any more likeable. No. To be honest with you, though, and I think this is a very apt comparison we were talking about before this, the way he is treated by other characters and his general attitude reminds yeah. me a lot of Shinji from Evangelion. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. Has he got? Has he got uh, family issues? Then? Uh, well, Tom, I, I don't want to spoil the original Final Fantasy VII, but I think I think saying Cloud has issues is putting it a bit mildly. Okay, um, uh, yeah. Well, he's got the hair to have issues. He's got the right sort of hair. Don't judge. Don't judge people <laughs> by that. You're better than that. Um, no, so he he's he's very much coddled by the other characters in a mm. weird way. And kind of people put up with his stick as if he's a child, which is a very strange thing to think. Like when I was when I was a kid playing this game, Cloud is like, oh yeah, he's he's a badass, and I'm like, no, he's a he's a bit of a prick. Like he's a, he's a troubled character. Though. Yeah, there's a reason yeah. why he's that way. There are, yeah. and I mean, the game will undoubtedly get into that in the next whatever. Is he an interesting is. character, though? Would you say? I would say so. I would say the world yeah. around him is more interesting. It's a bit of a Tintin vibe, you know, that he's ca- he's okay, got some okay. stuff going on with him, but he isn't the main He's got role. a big, cool sword and spiky hair, so you like him all the same. He's definitely compensating for a lack of a personality with his motorcycle <laughs> and all the rest of it, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. All these cool things. Yeah, yeah. like... Barrett's full of personality from um, what I've played. Yeah, he is. Um, 
as is everyone else, you know. I think they, yeah. they. So this is the thing. I think a lot of my, a lot of my thoughts about those characters are coloured by later FF Seven experiences and knowing that story very well, because right. I forgot how kind of timid and almost kind of regular Tifa is compared to Aerith, okay. who I'd always... Because she looks a bit tough, Tifa. looks like she could take you out in a fight. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So and I mean, there's... Street smart. There's backstory to that, but she's very homely in a way that I didn't okay. really remember. But I listening to other podcasts, people have kind of said the same thing of like, oh, yeah, I thought I'd remembered this wrong. But no, it turns out that this game is reaffirming the belief that Tifa's quite homely. And heiress, okay. despite... She doesn't look like that, does no. she? She doesn't look like she would be, no. No, and there's definitely, like... It's a bit tough. Aerith is more, like, quippy, and she makes puns and stuff in battle. Oh, yeah, and you'd think she'd be the one who'd be baking the cakes. Yeah, but it, it, I think <laughs> a lot of that is just me not remembering those early parts of that game, because it's so long... Mm. And I think I spent so much time on the second and third disc of that game that the events yeah. of the first disc are kind okay. of overshadowed. That's good. It puts it in a different perspective. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with this one. Now, I joked last week, I think, on the podcast, and I think I've joked about it with friends also, that it's very interesting to me that this is just the Midgar section and this is the first game. It took them five years. Is the first disc of Final Fantasy Seven? going to now be six discs in a PS4 era. Because there's, there's a lot of stories still to tell. and the... Well, they've done a lot of the groundwork, haven't they, now, obviously? They've built the engine. I suppose it's a new engine they use. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, they made... The, the assets. As I said, like, a five-hour experience into 40 hours. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot more of this game to go. Yeah, no, I would yeah. say successfully. Like I said, it drags a bit towards the end, but I... I think the payoff of it is is worth that in in hindsight. Okay, it's a good game. I th- it sounds like it's uh, yeah a positive um, impression it's left. Yeah, it? for sure. I mean, I I don't know if it couldn't have though. I think it would have had to have been a really bad game because I love that original. Yeah, because Final Fantasy Seven is that good that. You know, they'd have to do something pretty serious to mess it up. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and I, to be honest with you, I saw bits where I was like, oh, God, I hope there isn't more of this. But I think the game knows when to leave stuff alone. Yeah. Because I think if it had pressed on certain more things, and I think if the section in the train graveyard had been longer or other bits of the game that started to get quite tedious... I could see mm. a lot of people being put off by. And I will say also, despite playing the game on normal, can be quite tough at points. Yeah, I've heard this. I've, but I've heard easy is too easy, apparently. Okay. Um, I switched to yeah. easy for one of the Colosseum fights because you can switch back and forth. And I didn't uh, yeah, I okay. didn't have to think. I just wrecked Yes, it. yeah, this is what I've heard, yeah. But apparently easy isn't as easy as setting. No. Yes, it is. Easy is the easiest setting. Okay. Because there's normal, I think you unlock hard once you complete the game, which apparently means you can't use items, which seems like a nightmare, so I would not want to do that. Um, yeah. Got to have fun with these games, haven't you? So yeah, a friend of mine is currently playing through it on hard at the moment, and he he loves this game. He sunk, I think last time I talked to him, he sunk about 68 hours in total into this game. 
so he he mm. is absolutely loving it. He did get it like almost a full week earlier than I did, also. So he's he's had the okay. time to do that. But I I don't know if I need to play through it again on hard. No. Um, I may go and mop up some of the achievements I didn't get. Oh God, there's there's a pull up mini game, and is the most frustrating mini game I've ever played in any game. I think. It's okay. just needlessly difficult, and I'm curious to see if I go through and try and do it on easy, would it actually be easier? But I don't think it will, because it's a mini-game. No. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, but all in all, I think if you were on the fence about buying it, I think I would say you should pick it up. Honestly, I mm. I do think there is some great stuff in Final Fantasy VII yeah. Remake. Good-looking game, too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, oh I mean... it, it is honestly probably the best-looking game I've played. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, that's what I got from the, the demo. And it's kind of interesting that Final Fantasy VII, back when it was released on the PS1, was a very impressive-looking game yeah, yeah. Uh, for its time. And now, again, it's doing the same thing. It's being a very impressive-looking game for its time yeah. once I, more. It made me yeah. think of, did you see that, do you remember that Square demo that they put out uh, during, I think it was in a PS4 press conference or Tokyo Game Show. And it was just like, it was just five minute animation almost of like three kind of fantasy looking characters in a futuristic world kind of like final fantasy 7 battling it out and it looked photorealistic it looked absolutely bonkers like Mm -hmm. how impressive the animation was i can't remember what it's called and they were essentially saying like hey this is what maybe we're thinking for the next final fantasy after 15 right and i think they're I think I vaguely while remember this, yeah. while FF7 definitely doesn't look as good as that there are some there are some comparisons I think to be drawn in some of the stuff they do in that trailer in terms of how they cast magic and how good yeah. the characters look clearly it's not at that level because I I think that will probably be next gen level hopefully but I think yeah. it, I, I, you know, got me thinking about Zelda then for some reason. Imagine Zelda having that same sort of graphical fidelity that maybe this new Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I Final think Final that would Seven require has. Nintendo to invest heavily in in the hardware. hardware. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do. Yeah, I don't know because Zelda is always one of those that would benefit. I think. I mean, it's proven that you don't have to go down that route to have a nice looking no. game. Wind Waker, I mean, Breath of the Wild, great looking games with a very unique art style, but. Maybe, um, what's it called? What was that one? Twilight Princess, Princess yeah. was the, the effort to make it look more realistic. And you could say that maybe didn't work as well as maybe everyone was expecting. No, to, I mean, well, do, but... there's the thing, right, isn't there? Like Ocarina of Time for it, for its time, looked very realistic. If you look at it now, it looks yeah. shell shaded and cute and quite cheeby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think after that tech demo they released at, uh, for, for the, the GameCube, GameCube with that super one, realistic yeah. looking Zelda. I yeah. I think because of that tech demo, obviously there was backlash then when Wind Waker was announced and so they, they made this gritty, realistic version of Twilight Princess that they thought everyone wanted. And I don't think it's generally that great a game. So I no, don't know. No, but I don't know. Yeah, just like in thinking of old older franchises which have never looked that good, yeah. Zelda's one that makes me think oh, it'll be interesting to see how that could be tackled in a similar way to what they've done with Final Fantasy yeah but at the same time I think Twilight um, I think uh, Breath of the Wild looks gorgeous and I mm, I, it does. I do think also if you look at 
Odyssey. Odyssey is one of the best looking games I've ever played <sighs> as well. Yeah, and that's running on a Switch yeah. too, isn't so, it? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We'll wait and see for the next Zelda. But it looks like it's obviously taking uh, cues from uh, Breath of the well, Wild. I, mean, isn't it? I so think it's, it's going to be a sequel to, to Breath, Breath of the Wild, and I think it's going to be on the Switch. I think we yeah. will. It'll be a while before we see whatever the next gen of Nintendo is. I think it's going to be like Majora's Mask to Ocarina. Yeah, it is, and it also looks like it's yeah. doing the similar thing that it, it perhaps is a bit darker in tone. Yeah, maybe. So, let's maybe. see. Sorry, I've gone off on the Zelda tangent. No, it's okay. I mean, I'm, uh, I was done with... How we end, we end up I there? was done with my talk of Final Fantasy VII anyway. I think it's a good-looking okay. game. If you're on the fence, go play it. I will talk story stuff, I guess, in an, in like a week or so, because, God, I want to talk about... Yeah, some... uh, give people time to finish it. You have finished it in a, in a fairly fast uh, Yes, time, and now I'm, I'm going to take say. a break from Very short console games for a while. Thank God it was Easter, because I would still be playing it, I think. I was afraid of spoilers, but, um, so there we go. Thank you for playing it so we could hear about it on this week's episode. It's okay, Tom Parry. Have you played anything else? <laughs> any more for any more? Uh, okay, so I've got an import Dreamcast game called Neto Golf, right. published by Sega. Um, it has the unique control method of flicking the stick Ooh. to um, hit the ball, which has been used in um, Tiger Woods, actually, and I thought that was the first time that was ever yeah. done say, some of the later Tiger Woods games. But uh, actually, no, it would seem that maybe this was one of the early instances of that sort of control method being implemented in a golf That's game. That's cool. Um, it, it's a cool golf game. It's a colourful golf game. It's similar to, uh, say, Everybody's Golf or Mario Golf. It's got that sort of bright aesthetic. It's got some unique-looking character. You've got a British gentleman in a little bowler hat. And, uh, yes, yeah, some uh, lovely stereotypes. Um, but it's colourful and it's fun and if you like golf games, it's actually, for a Japanese game, quite accessible as an import. Right. Um, no real tutorial will tell you how to play it um, unless you look in the manual, but it's fairly intuitive that you'll probably be able to pick it up pretty quickly okay. if you've played um, golf games in the past. Depends if you like golf games. I know it's not something everyone's into, but um, it's it's a good uh, import-worthy game for your, your Dreamcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, but elsewhere, now I did mention um, something about uh, another console, didn't I? You did. Maybe maybe before we started. I think so, Corner. yeah. So um, I've got another CDI, believe it or not. Why? It was the bundle, basically. Uh, it came with the, one of the uh, SNES-style controllers that I haven't got and the mouse, and the mouse is incredibly obscure. Um, and very expensive. Right. And I got two of these uh, different control variants I don't have, and the mouse and the console for a lot less than it would have cost me to buy them separately. Okay. So, yeah, quite happy. And of course, of course, that will come here um, to my place in London. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a working CDI 450. That's a smaller one. I have um, the uh, the big one. I can't remember what two ten. I, I can't remember. You're what... talking to me as if like this is a Nintendo console. I don't. Sorry, sorry. Yes. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have hopefully a working um, console again. It, well, it was sold as um, not being tested with any games. So who knows if the laser works? But if the laser doesn't work properly, then I have got these accessories that uh, I've been long after. Imagine playing Lemmings with the uh, mouse there on the CDI. Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't be, uh, it? Fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as as a CDI enthusiast, and because the CDI was a big part of my youth, 
uh, it's nice to have these these things. And uh, yeah. have you ever thought about getting a? I'm just looking at console variants of the CDI here. Oh, there there are a few. There are too many. Actually, have you ever thought about getting a Philips CDI three seventy, Tom? The 370, you have to describe that. That is the the handheld CDI. Ah, yes, yes. No, when I found out about that one, couldn't remember what it's called. But uh, yeah, that was something I'd love to have. But I think they're relatively obscure and expensive. Seems that way from looking at it. Yeah. If if the opportunity arose and it was a good right price, yeah. Half of me has always wanted a CDI after talking to you about it. The other half of me... But I don't think if if you didn't have one at the time... You'd actually appreciate it. That's no, because I've I've played Hotel Mario. I I've yeah, played I some mean, of this stuff that like the CDI. Nostalgia is plays for. a huge part in the CDI for me. If you're into PC gaming, um, then that's basically what you had with the CDI. And those CD-ROM era of uh, you know full motion video and edu- educational edutainment sort of things. Pervy crosswords. Yeah, the CDI has that about it, and it has a couple of okay, um, pretty unique, uh, more traditional style games. Like The Apprentice does stand out as be one of the, the highlights. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't convert anyone to CDI uh, really, or even say it's worthwhile getting one. But for me, it it, it just makes me feel like I'm I'm a kid again. Yeah, I mean, which that... is is it's something that. You know, I can't get normally. Yeah, well, I mean, you have nostalgia for it, don't you? I mean, that's the thing. Yes, yeah, that's what it, that's what it boils down it, to. And it, it's kind of a unique thing to be into as well. That's kind of cool to... I mean, it it's like our, one of our friends here in Denmark is Dutch and he absolutely loves the Atari Lynx because the Atari Lynx, when he grew yeah. up, was his home well, console. Like it... C- CDI was huge in the Netherlands. Yeah. You know. I, well, I also um, know people who grew up in France who were like super into yeah. um, MSX. I've yeah. never touched yeah. an MSX, you know? Like, it's really interesting that depending on which part of the world you're in a certain time generally means what console you're nostalgic for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of America doesn't appreciate the math system because that wasn't a dominant format in nope. America, was it? It was um, the NES. Yeah, I so. mean, it, to be honest with you, depending on which area of the UK you grew up in, also... I would argue perhaps the master system wasn't prevalent either, like because I didn't know anyone growing up with a master system. Like, mm. I well, I I didn't, but I everyone, had one. Everyone yeah. had an NES, but everyone also had a Mega Drive. I was the, one of the only people I knew with a Super Nintendo. Yes, people I knew had either a Mega Drive or like um, Atari ST. Actually, I don't know. Uh, what, computer. I don't know anyone with an Atari ST. Game Station. Or the Amiga, Commodore yeah. Amiga 500. Probably. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. We had an Amiga. I mean, we had a six, Commodore yeah. 64 as well. And I knew lots of yeah. people who had Spectrums. Like, um, yeah, yeah. But also, just weirdly enough, right? Like, so I've talked about the Game Station in Patalba. Rest in peace, the one in my hometown. Just the amount of weird stuff that showed up in that Game Station was incredible like i would see i would see jaguars <laughs> every week i would go there and there would be another box jaguar like wow yeah into niche things weird in, uh, stuff Potom. in patalba i just think patalba's got a really <laughs> like i know a lot of people from patalba and all of them are into video games i think it's uh 
Something to do if you're the Yeah, player. I think so. I, I, I think there's very little else. You've been there. You've seen it. Anyways. I think it's nice. I, I liked my time. Yeah. We've got a Banksy now, Tom. Yes, yeah, I so. know. <laughs> uh, we've got a Banksy. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I, that was it for me. I, I Yeah, I mean, that's it for me, really, for this week, I think. Uh, and the next week, maybe I'll have played... Um, as I like to call them, a meteor game. Ho, ho, ho. I, I definitely <laughs> will not have played a meteor game. I think I'm going to go no. relax with some more Animal Crossing and maybe some Picross. Who knows? Well, I, I'll, I'll have played some Wacker Bubble on CDI because I got that as well. Wacker Bubble? Uh, it's Buster Move. Ah, <laughs> Basically. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, gang. Well, that is the end of this podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, there's a number of ways you can get in contact with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack, on Twitter at TMACast. Tom is at TomParry11. If you want to talk spoilers for Final Fantasy with me, you can do so at Game Boil. You can listen to the podcast in a variety of places as well in Stitcher, iTunes, on BlastProcess.com, and TomandMattAttack.com forward slash podcast. If you've liked it, share it with a friend, leave us on iTunes, cheeky rate and subscribe. And until next week, everybody here. Oh, Ooh. Matt, before what? we end, we ended last time's episode on a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, we did. Well, I, I said I said to you, what, what console would you like to be Yes, Tom with? Perry. If... You know, in quarantine desert island or whatever. And uh, I didn't give you my answer, did I? Philips CDI 360 or whatever it was called. <laughs> it's not the Philips CDI. Um, that's, that, it, it, it's, it's something I've, I've been umming and ahhing over. Wow, I'm glad you've given it great debate over this last week. Uh, Dreamcast, there you go. As long as it worked. You would need a TV. You'd need, <laughs> like, cables, probably speakers. You, you, you're forcing me into the handheld route it, here. It is, well, like, yeah, that's fair. Maybe we can fashion my, you a TV out of a coconut, Tom Parry. Let's go try and do that. Okay, my, my favourite handheld of all time. I think, I'd, I think I'd have to just get a 3DS and play DS I think, and I think 3DS. That, I, think I, I think that might be... Uh, that might, that might be it. That's fair. Probably. Although I do have a very soft spot for the PSP. I'm rambling now. We've got to draw, uh, bring to a close. Okay, <laughs> Thank you for right. appreciating your own ramble. And until next week, everybody, I'll be uh, trying to make Tom Parry a coconut TV for his Dreamcast. Game on. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Dreamcast TV. You can buy that. Oh, yeah, that's true. No. Thing. Shit. I'll make one of those. There you go. Got one. Dreamcast will okay, be the one. Fair enough. Game on. All right. Game on. <laughs>